Welcome to the Burn Your Mortgage Podcast, a Canadian real estate podcast that shows you how to pay off your mortgage sooner and live well while doing it. Now, here's your host, Sean Cooper. Welcome to the Burn Your Mortgage Podcast. I'm Sean Cooper, and it's great to be back for another episode. On today's show, I'll be talking to Anthony Molinero and Adrian Omasta. Anthony and Adrian are two high school pals who are going all in on their dreams. Anthony Molinero first found his way onto the front page of the Toronto Star at the age of 20 years old for his work ethic and drive to get ahead in life. Since that article, Anthony has graduated university and now works full-time for a real estate investing educational company called Rockstar Real Estate. Now, recently at the ripe old age of 24 years old, Anthony and Adrian have jumped into the real estate investing game and purchased their first investment property in St. Catharines, Ontario. With one property under their belt, they're soon going to purchase their second property and many more properties afterward as well. They're also launching Rat Race Real Estate, an avenue for sharing content on their own journey of escaping the rat race using the power of real estate investing so that they can inspire and help other Canadians to escape the rat race as well. In my interview with Anthony and Adrian, we discuss factors to consider when buying an investment property, why you might choose to do rent-to-own for your investment property, and tenant screening. Without further ado, here's my interview with Anthony and Adrian. Hi, Anthony. Hi, Adrian. How are you both doing today? Great. Thanks for asking, Sean. Great, Sean. Thanks. Great. Well, first, let's start off. Uh, Anthony, you've been on the podcast before, so I'd just like to ask you, you've been up to a bunch of exciting things since we last spoke, so why don't you just fill the listeners in on some of the stuff that you've been up to? Yeah, yeah, thanks for asking. Life has been good. I've since quit my job at Pepsi. I was working in the warehouse when we last spoke. That's what got me through school and got me onto that front page of the Toronto Star article to start this all off. Started working as a membership coordinator for Rockstar Real Estate. It's this fantastic business that I really love. We kind of educate people how to invest in real estate and how to purchase real estate. And we're uh, also a brokerage. So we sell investment properties to people looking to get into the rental housing market. Since then, I've also joined Ventured with my high school buddy here, Adrian. Uh, We purchased a property in St. Catharines and we use the rent-to-own strategy to find a tenant. A little side project that we can maybe go into on a later podcast. We're developing this pre-workout coffee product that we're going to launch soon, uh, but that's for another day maybe. Oh my goodness, it certainly sounds like you've been pretty busy over the last while, but lots of exciting things. So happy to talk in further detail about the investment property, which leads perfectly into the next question. Uh, Since the Toronto Star article, I believe in the article there, it mentioned that you wanted to buy reverse property. You were kind of on the fence perhaps in that article, but it's great that you've gone ahead and done that. So can you tell me about your experience, both of your experiences buying your first investment property and perhaps walk us through the time frame of when you started 
thinking about it, looking at properties. My understanding is that you didn't buy the first property that you saw. You actually made an offer on a property and decided against it. So perhaps you could just walk the listeners through it for anyone else considering buying an investor property. Because I think the most difficult part is actually going through with it at the end of the day. Uh, People kind of I guess, get a bit nervous about it. So perhaps you could just walk people through the whole process to help encourage people to actually go ahead with it like you guys did. Yeah, absolutely. So I can start this off. Our experience going through all of this and actually purchasing and then filling the rents property, uh, if I could sum it up in one word, would probably probably be adventurous. There is a lot that we learned along the way, a lot of kind of ups and downs, kind of a roller coaster ride going through the whole process. Uh, a roller coaster of emotions, but definitely glad we did it. The process from my from that article, I was 20 years old when that article came out. I was looking at purchasing a property for myself to live in as a principal residence after I graduated school. After that article came out, a woman sent me a book called Rich Dad Poor Dad in the mail. She said, "I didn't like the advice that the Toronto Star gave you. Here, read read this book and then let me know what you think." So I read the book and it was really eye opening for me. And it really talked about um, you know, how assets kind of make you wealthy and how the rich don't work for their income, their assets work and produce income for them instead. And uh, after reading that book and meeting this woman and kind of learning more about the world of real estate investing, I realized that my first property I wanted to purchase would be an income property, something that pays me instead of me living somewhere and paying to live there. I'm 24 now. We purchased the property, both of us. I think Adrian is 23 when when we bought it. I was 24. So just a a few years, you know, I wanted to graduate school and I also wanted to learn as much as I could uh, before we purchased the property. So that was kind of the process, a three or four year process of learning and then eventually uh, pulling the trigger. In terms of why we we put an offer in on this one property and we didn't purchase it. And maybe I can pass that one over to Adrian for the reasons why we didn't purchase that. Yeah. So the the first property we were looking at was actually... uh, it was like a duplex kind of in uh, St. Catharines on Bunting Road. We put an offer in and the offer was contingent on uh, an inspection and financing. So after the inspection, we pretty much realized that in order, it would have to, we would just need too much money to convert it into a legal duplex. And we didn't have too much money up front for any kind of renovations type stuff. So after we found that out, we kind of backed out of that deal and we regrouped and decided what we wanted to do. And after some decision-making and thinking about it, we decided we wanted to do a single-family rent-to-own strategy because we found that when we crunched the numbers that provide the best return on our investment. Well, I'm just curious, perhaps you could just talk a bit about looking at that first property there, Anthony. And we were talking previously, you mentioned to me that you just, about the St. Catharines property, you just thought about worst case scenario, like perhaps if a neighbor called on the property and you didn't have the fire separation and all the things that made it up to code, perhaps you could just talk a bit about that because I found that interesting in our last conversation. Yeah. So it was a non-conforming second unit. So essentially we wanted something that was legal and turnkey because like Adrian mentioned, we didn't have the money for the renovation. We just had enough money basically for a down payment. Uh, we scraped together and split the down payment 50 50. What we didn't like, what we did like about that property was with both units renting, we would have uh, cash flowed pretty nicely. But the only risk about that property was that it was non conforming. So if a neighbor ever complained or something and a bylaw officer came and he shut it and he shut the 
basement unit down, which was non-conforming, we would essentially be negative cash flow. And so that was just a risk we didn't want to take. We kind of follow this principle uh, when doing our home hunting that, you know, don't purchase a property unless you're comfortable owning it for at least 10 years uh, through all worst case scenarios. So for us, the bylaw officer would totally be a worst case scenario and make us go negative cash flow on the investment, which we don't believe is an investment. We believe it has to be positive cash flow and paying us each month to be considered an investment. Other, aside from that, it's essentially just speculation. You're hoping the property is going to go up. I mean, you're going to get some mortgage pay down, but without it paying you each month, just worst case scenario, you never know if you're going to make it through, let's say the hard times, if there was a market crash or something. So we debt with, we wanted the positive cash flow within, with, with that one, we didn't want to risk the non-conforming. And in terms of buying a legal duplex, uh, what we could qualify for, our budget just really didn't allow us to purchase anything that was legal in the area that we were looking, which is like St. Catharines. We kind of decided, okay, let's do a single family, but we, we like the the extra cash flow that a duplex investment would bring, a two-unit property, but we couldn't get that. So with what we could afford. So we decided, okay, single family, but how can we boost the numbers? And then that's when we started looking at a rent-to-own where you can command a premium rent for the property. That's great. Thanks so much for sharing your thought process. And another thought came to mind. I mean, I know that you don't live in St. Catharines, but perhaps you could just share your insight in buying properties in markets that you might not know so well, because I'm somebody that looked in the St. Catharines market, uh, considering buying a rental property there. And like I, like I said, you know, these aren't St. Catharines is an area that's either of us has lived in before when it comes to working with the realtor, you really have to trust the realtor in terms of whether it's a good neighborhood or not, but you also should do your own due diligence to determine whether the neighborhood is good and you're buying on a good street and all that. So perhaps you could just share your insight on some of the research that you did on your own, just to make sure that you were buying in a good neighborhood. Yeah. So for one, uh, I mean, you hit upon uh, the biggest point and that's trust. Uh, You have to trust your realtor. They have to be a good fit with you. They have to be trustworthy. They have to uh, be not feeding you bad advice just to get a commission. I've worked with several different realtors. The realtor we ended up working with is a guy from my work, very experienced guy. He's an investor himself, owns a bunch of properties, and he's uh, personally sold and uh, helped many clients fill probably over 100 rent-to-own deals uh, over the past decade. So he was highly experienced in the strategy we were looking for, and uh, he knew the exact exact type of property that would be perfect for rent to own and the good neighborhoods because he has done a lot of uh, business in St. Catharines. So it it came down to trust. We actually put an offer on this place uh, without even seeing it. He went and saw the property. I was actually at Sabo Beach that day. So I was literally on a beach and I made an offer, you know, from my phone for this property, which is what you hear in the infomercials and stuff. But it's actually what happened just because I had such a high level of trust and respect for this guy. In terms of my own due diligence, I, I only saw the property for the first time um, at the home inspection. We did a conditional on home inspection and financing, and that just gives us the time to, of course, see the property and then see if it's going to fit with our strategy with the rent own. Uh, so at that time, I did the home inspection. You know, I really looked at the neighborhoods. I already had an idea of where the good and bad neighborhoods in St. Catharines were from talking to investors, realtors, and property managers, all who have done business and rental property housing stuff in St. Catharines. So I knew the good pockets, the bad pockets. I had, before I had put an offer in that property, I'd seen, you know, like dozens of properties in St. Catharines and gone on a tour with my agent and looked at different properties in different areas. So I already had a good idea of of that from the due diligence standpoint. 
So when it came to him finding this good property, uh, we acted fast. We were ready to go. That's great. Thanks so much for sharing that. And you really hit the nail on the head there. You really have to do your due diligence and be willing to pick up the phone and call these people because perhaps if you don't do your research, you could end up buying a property on a, in a bad neighborhood or on a bad street. And that can definitely hurt your ability to get good quality tenants for the long term. So I just definitely think it's worth spending that time ahead of time because this could quite possibly be the single biggest investment of your lifetime. So I certainly think it's worth taking the time to do that due diligence. Yeah, 100%. You kind of talked about it a bit in your last answer as well as touched on it, but could you talk about some factors to consider when buying an investment property? Perhaps talk about some of the numbers that you ran and, and you don't have to get into the exact details, but just some measurements when buying investment property. Because with a principal residence, you're looking at different things than like an investment property. Like with investment property, you want good transit access and you want the property cash flow positively. Whereas with a principal residence, it's very different in terms of what you're looking for. So perhaps Adrian, you could jump in first and just talk about some of the things that you were looking for in investment uh, property and, and factors that were important to both of you. One of the biggest things we're looking for is always uh, a good home in a good area. Like Anthony mentioned earlier, uh, you always want to run your numbers using the worst case scenario for everything. So you want to just be as conservative as possible with your estimations as you can be. Uh, my recommendation, which I learned from my mentor, is don't purchase the property like we said earlier, unless you're okay with owning the home for at least 10 years in any scenario. Well, what I like about what we like about St. Catharines a lot too is uh, the metro links and the transit lines that are creating kind of like a treasure map with the new with the new population growth coming into the GTA. It's almost like everything's getting pushed out of Toronto and outside of the GTA. So we found that St. Catharines is a really booming area in the next five to ten years. So we we found that a very attractive place to start looking for one of our factors. Yeah, I can jump in as well just to build on that rents versus housing costs you know like if you buy a property in toronto the carrying costs are going to be so much higher because of the higher house values so there has to be a good ratio whereas in st Catharines, you can get a much more affordable home but still get great rents and in terms of the numbers you always need to invest for cash flow in our opinion otherwise you're not investing you're speculating you have to crunch the numbers in terms of our specific numbers we looked at the investment as worst case scenario what if we buy this house and we can't find a single rent-owned tenant in the whole city who wants to rent it, we have to do a straight rental. So even at a straight rental, uh, the numbers still worked and we still cash flowed a couple hundred bucks. Uh, because we did a rent to own, uh, it actually boosted our monthly cash flow by 200 bucks a month. So our cash flow went from about 200 a month with, this, with a single family uh, straight rental uh, to about $400 a month uh, with a rent to own. So we really like that. Always run your numbers worst case scenario. And perhaps you could just talk about uh, cash flow for anyone who might not understand that calculation. Uh, what is it exactly? Yeah, so cash flow is just whatever you have left over after your expenses each month uh, from your rental income. So it's your rental income minus all of your carrying costs. So that includes your mortgage, your property tax, your utilities if you're going to be paying them, property insurance. And then you can also build in a buffer, which I recommend. Uh, for vacancies and property management fees. Uh, even if you're managing the property yourself, uh, you may decide in the future that you do want to hire a property manager. So if you build that into your investment from the beginning, uh, you'll be able to afford that in the future. And as well as vacancies, uh, we believe St. Catharines is a great market. We had a ton of demand 
uh, for, for both a straight rental and a rent to own. Uh, and we advertised for both, which we can get into later. Vacancies wasn't a huge issue for us. We knew it was a great rental market. Uh, but just in case a tenant leaves, you, you might be vacant for a couple months. Um, you know, worst case scenario, one or two months where you're going to have to pay uh, some carrying costs. You're going to have to pay your mortgage and expenses without that rental income. So you want to kind of build that in as well. And you want to be net positive at the end of the month. And the reason for that is because let's say the market took a dip. There was a housing market crash. Property values went down. Let's say it was a huge recession. Even let's say we even lost our jobs, like worst case scenario, everything. And if we were negative cash flow on the property, we had to pay in, you know, a hundred or a couple hundred bucks in a month uh, just to carry the investment. And we lost our jobs and we couldn't even swing the extra hundred or 200 to carry the investment. Then we'd have to sell. And because the market's down, we might be selling at a loss. That's not our plan. Our plan is, you know, to, to basically hold on to the investment as long as we can, you know, buy low, sell high. You never want to sell at a loss. So that positive cash flow allows you to ride out any dips in the market and always have the, your investment paying you. Great. Thanks for explaining that. Now, the St. Catharines property, as you mentioned, wasn't the property that you ended up buying. So perhaps you could just tell me about the property that you ended up buying. And as you mentioned, you looked at rent to own versus having long-term tenants. I understand that you showed the property for both scenarios there. So perhaps you could just talk about the property that you end up buying uh, and just briefly talk about what is rent to own and then talk about how you tested rent to own versus long term and how you decided to go with the rent to own. Yeah. So the actual property, it's an end unit townhome in a kind of newer development in St. Catharines. The home is 10 years old. Uh, so everything is still new and nothing needs repairing, which is a crucial thing for a rent to own. With the rent to own, you always want to buy a really nice house in a nice area because that's going to attract someone who actually wants to, you know, one day own that home. If you buy a crappy rundown home or a fixer upper, you know, nobody's want to, is going to want to do that. So a you, house you would want to live in. Almost. Yeah. A house that you would want to live in yourself because if you wouldn't want to live in it, there's a high chance other people won't want to live in it as well. So we purchased this home, uh, you know, and on the inspection, we made sure that the furnace wouldn't need. Uh, replacing or the roof wouldn't need replacing within the next three years because that's the buyout contract that we set up with our tenant, um, a two to three year buyout. So we don't want to be stuck with those big expenses when we're just going to have the tenant purchase the home from us anyways, because it would really affect our return. Everything had to be kind of updated and uh, no big repairs upcoming in the next kind of five year horizon. In terms of why we like the rent zone, maybe Adrian could talk about it a bit more. The reason we like the rent zone a lot more than a straight rent is just because it's a very low maintenance uh, investment. The, the perks with the rent to own is, for example, one would be for the first $300 in repairs for the tenant, the tenant would cover. And then after that, we would uh, cover after that. And then also our tenant's intentions is to one day buy the home from us. Therefore, it's more likely that the tenant is just going to respect and take care of the home and maybe even possibly do some kind of upgrades or renovations to increase the value of the home. We also signed a three-year lease, so it's more likely that we won't have to deal with any vacancies within the three years, and we just save ourselves on that end, too, of the investment. So. Yeah, and then even though we believe we're in a strong market, we'll see some great appreciation. Uh, you also lock in guaranteed appreciation uh, if and when our tenant decides to buy us out. So it's kind of, you kind of know what your return on your appreciation is up front if your tenant does exercise the option to purchase the home. And the upfront option payment and premium rent is insurance for us in case the tenant doesn't buy out the house or worst case, if the tenant you know, is a professional tenant and tries to stop paying rent and, and really string out the eviction process, 
um, let's say they stop paying you for a few months, uh, that upfront option payment that they gave you as a down payment for the home and the premium rent that you've been getting, if they stop paying rent, can definitely act as like a buffer and an insurance in case they do decide to stop paying rent. Um, so we like that as well. It kind of helps you sleep better at night. It's also just a good feeling to give somebody a helping hand into the housing market. So that was another bonus. I mean, that's not necessarily the main reason we did it, but it's a good feeling helping someone who wants to become a homeowner. And then there's a ton of other perks about single family homes that we liked as well. Do you want us to kind of go into that? Sure, that would be interesting. Feel free to go ahead. Yeah, so just kind of from our research and education, we learned that single family homes are the most liquid real estate asset in the market. In any market, it's the most liquid, it's the most easy to sell especially single family starter homes, um, because in an up market, you know, people, the economy is doing well, people are, you know, have jobs and they're purchasing starter homes for themselves. Uh, in a down market, starter homes are the most affordable real estate if people still want to purchase. So there's still a market and, and on the rental side of things, it's more affordable to live in a, you know, a starter home, single family home than uh, let's say a luxury home or something like that. So there's always going to be a rental market uh, for for starter homes, uh, especially premium starter homes in nice areas. They're always in demand no matter the market. Uh, it's also the easiest real estate asset to refinance down the line. Let's say our tenant doesn't buy us out. You know, we wanted to look at every scenario. Um, if our rental and tenant doesn't buy us out and we have to hold on to this as a, as a long-term rental, uh, this home will be easier to refinance in the future to purchase more real estate assets. Um, there's also no risk of tenant conflicts, uh, unlike duplexes or a multi-unit, mm-hmm. because it's just one family living in there. So you're not dealing with tenants kind of, you know, hearing each other through the walls, personality differences and stuff like that. I believe you as a mortgage broker know this uh, probably better than anyone. The mortgage qualification difficulties that, you know, everyone's kind of has now, it's a lot harder to qualify, I think, than in the past with the stress test and the rising home values. It's, we, we found it's causing a huge demand for rent to home. Uh, for, for people who would typically be able to purchase the home for themselves, they're now only able to rent. Or it, and, and they may want to become homeowners. A lot of people do. So the rent to home is kind of a creative strategy to get into the housing market and a helping hand and an alternative option for the people who are having difficulties qualifying. Um, or don't have the down payment or the credit yeah, at the moment. At the moment, yeah. No, that's great. Thanks so much for sharing your insight there. And perhaps just uh, Adrian, you can jump in and just explain how rent to own works and how the tenant pays. My understanding is that the tenant pays rent, but then a portion of that is going towards the down payment. And then they also kind of pay a bit of a deposit up front. So perhaps you could just quickly explain that for the listeners who may not be yeah. familiar with how rent to own works. For sure, yeah. So if you ask for a small down payment with the rent own, it's well, it, the rent own is basically it's like a hybrid, short, long-term uh, investment strategy. So the way we look at it, it's kind of like leasing a car, except it's a house. They're gonna be leasing the house from us for two to three years, but we give them the option to buy it out in two or three years. So we have set buyout prices from the beginning that we both agree upon, and then this creates kind of like a win-win strategy with our tenant because. They take care of the house more and uh, and they're going to take care of it because they want to own it and it just allows them to get into the housing market. So it creates a win-win strategy, yeah. which is, you know, always a good business strategy, you know, trying to set it up as win-win. Basically, yeah, they put up an option payment. It's a down payment, an upfront payment that they give you. We were looking for a minimum $8,000 um, to move into the house and to do the rent to own. So you collect that upfront 
as along with first and last month's rent, they move in. And then uh, each month you build up monthly credits towards the purchase of the home. So at the end of two or three years, um, the option payment that they gave us, as well as the monthly credits that they've built up, we're giving away $500 in monthly credits each month. That builds up to be their down payment from the home. And then we do a private sale and sell them the home at the agreed upon purchase price that we negotiated at the beginning of the contract. Great. Thanks for explaining that. And what if they, they decide not to move forward with it? What happens to those extra payments that they've been given, uh, they've been giving to you? It's all, it's all non-refundable. So we, we explain that to the tenant beforehand, before we sign any contract that, uh, like they, we just want to let them know what they're getting themselves into. It's up to them ultimately if they want to go through with the program, but pretty much we're just giving them the option and not the, it's not the obligation for them to buy it. Great. I'm just curious for people doing rent to own on their own, like how would you even set that up? Would you go to a real estate lawyer to help you draft the agreement? I mean, understand Anthony, you're part of your, uh, like a company that could help you do that. But let's say that you like don't work for a real estate company and you're just trying to do this on your own. What would you recommend like speaking to a real estate lawyer? Like who could help you with uh, even like figuring out this whole rent to own process? Yeah, I mean, I'll give you my contact information at the end. So if anyone is interested in that contract, they can reach out and, uh, you know, would be happy to share it with them. Uh, that contract was drafted by a real estate lawyer and, and the owners of Tom and of Rockstar, where I work, Tom and Nick Radza, they drafted that up with their real estate lawyer. So yeah, you'd go to a, a real estate lawyer, you'd have to understand uh, all the aspects of a rent own and kind of what you're doing. It might be easier to find a pre-existing one online and then have the real estate lawyer go over it with you and make sure you understand all the terms and conditions of the one you found online and then tweak it as necessary. Yeah, it was definitely a lot easier for us because we had this whole kind of rental system uh, taught to us um, at Rockstar where we learned how to do all of this and uh, had contracts provided and stuff like that. But That's great. Thanks for explaining that. And quickly on the last question here, perhaps you could talk about tenant screening because the, I find one of the biggest fears and what stops people from investing in properties is that they're scared that they're going to have a nightmare tenant who doesn't pay the rent on time, destroys the property, and then you'll have to evict them. So uh, how did, perhaps you could just talk about how you screened your tenants. And I know with rent own, it's kind of unique since uh, the tenant kind of has a long-term interest in taking care of the property since they're going to buy it. But nevertheless, there are professional I would say most tenants are good, but there are some bad apples out there. So perhaps you could just talk about, you know, being first time investment property owners, how did you screen tenants and make sure that you ended up with a tenant that is going to be a good long-term tenant? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, rent own is a beautiful thing because you eliminate a lot of that risk of that professional tenant uh, because they're giving you an upfront payment anywhere from like $8,000 up to there's no limit really. I've heard of up to as high as $80,000 being given as an upfront option payment. If they decide to kind of play the professional tenant role and not pay you rent and you have to go through the eviction process with them, they forfeit that because it's a non-refundable payment. So it doesn't really make sense. So professional tenant wouldn't target a rent to own landlords as people to kind of screw over because they'd be screwing themselves over. They'd lose all that upfront money that they put down. So the rental definitely protects you against that, which we really like. But for tenant screening, the criteria that we followed is our tenant buyer that we were looking for. They had to have a minimum of three times the rent to own rent in monthly income each month. We believe that this would you know, help them qualify down the line. We didn't want to set anyone up for failure to have the person not be able to qualify for a mortgage. 
in the future. So we needed to make sure that they had sufficient income to qualify for a mortgage, as well as live in the property and pay the rent and be able to, you know, still afford all their other expenses. Otherwise, you know, it'd be a few months before they tap out and say, you know, we can't afford this. So we had to make sure that their income was good. The minimum threshold we were looking for was three times the rent. And for screening, we, we need, wanted a minimum of $8,000 upfront plus first and last month's rent. And it had to be available pretty much upon lease signing. Uh, so that was criteria we're using. Poor credit score was actually not an issue for us because with the rent home, the program is designed for people with a poor credit score um, who may not be able to qualify for a mortgage today. But lock in price. Yeah. So, um, but, but there was a couple red flags that we did look for with credit. For example, multiple bankruptcies probably meant that they wouldn't be able to qualify for mortgage in the future. So we wouldn't accept anyone with that. And missed child support payments was just kind of a deal breaker for us. So we didn't go with just for personal reasons. So we didn't want to go with anything like that. Tenant screen, they had to have a good story and they had to give us a good gut feeling uh, in order for us to trust them. At the end of the day, you can go with the numbers and, and the criteria, but you also have to have a good gut feeling. And if your gut's screaming at you not to go with the person, it's probably a good idea to listen to that. So we, so we got credit checks done to get into all the specifics. We got landlord references. So we called their previous landlord. Uh, we even tried to call their previous, previous landlord just in case their previous landlord uh, did not like them and wanted them out. So they may have been, you know, not giving us the honest truth of how they were. So we tried doing that. Uh, we also got pay stubs. We verified their income and their jobs. And then, uh, yeah, like we said, with the rent home, it's a bit different because the credit score is not as much of a set of a hard criteria for ruling somebody out because the program is designed for people who might be great people and stuff, but they're just something happened and the credit's not where it should be. Great. It's been wonderful having you both on the show today. Before I let you go, is there anything interesting that you're working on that you'd like to share with our listeners? Yeah, so me and Adrian are currently working on putting together a website and uh, social media accounts under the name of Rat Race Real Estate. That's just kind of a play on the fact that so many people in Canada here and around the world are stuck in the rat race. And we think and truly believe that real estate investing is a way to get out of the rat race much earlier than it would be possible in the typical kind of society structure of working until you retire at age 65. And we know that real estate investing has the power to help us kind of escape that typical nine to five corporate rat race that a lot of people are stuck in. We're going to be sharing some content of what we're doing over the next few months. We've already got one property under our belt, going for number two very soon, and many more after that. So we're going to be sharing content, hopefully provide a lot of value for people as we're in the trenches, sharing what we're doing on the streets as we're investing, and kind of help people learn as much as they can about real estate investing so that one day they themselves can use real estate investing to work towards getting out of the rat race just like we're trying to do. You can follow along with our journey at www.ratracerealestate.ca. Website will be going live soon. We're going to put up a little case study of our rent-to-own property, the numbers, the location, photos of the property. We're going to be super honest, open, and transparent with everything with the property because we really want to provide some value for anyone who wants to check it out. So ratracerealestate.ca, and it's going to be ratracerealestate on Instagram and Facebook. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Burn Your Mortgage podcast. Besides being a podcast host, I'm also an independent mortgage broker. If you or anyone you know, family, friends, coworkers, 
or neighbors could ever use any unbiased mortgage advice or a second opinion, feel free to reach out. Email me at Sean, that's S-E-A-N, at burnyourmortgage.ca or call or text me at 647-867-3711 for a free mortgage consultation. Also, be sure to head on over to www.burnyourmortgage.ca and sign up for my free weekly newsletter. As a small token of my appreciation, you'll be able to download my ultimate mortgage checklist on choosing the perfect mortgage. I look forward to hearing from you and helping you with all your mortgage needs. Once again, thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Burn Your Mortgage Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes and leave a rating. Until next time, happy mortgage burning.